So uh, we are looking now at the five questions that were asked from last week, not, not the ten from the week before. So we've, uh, we've got um, a little bit less to look at this morning. But again, it's, uh, it's such a joy to be asked these questions each week. It gives me some time to think through some answers, but also helps us think about all sorts of different aspects of the Christian life. And a, and a fresh reminder that you can ask them via our response slip. If you tear that one off and put it in the red bags in a little while, then I'll look forward to answering them for next week. First question is this, why did God pass over the houses of the Israelites at the Passover? I'm sure you've heard of the Passover before. It's a remarkable time in the history of God's people. They were all in slavery in Egypt. It looked like it was excruciating to be there. And finally, God sent these 10 different plagues. And then the 10th one of all was the plague of the death of the firstborn son. But in order to protect God's own people, he said, here's the deal. You slaughter a lamb. Paint the blood of the lamb on your doorposts and then the angel of death will pass over your house. And so your house will not have the death of the firstborn. So the simple answer is, why did God pass over the houses of the Israelites at the Passover? Because they put blood on the door. But to look a bit deeper than that, we need to see that it was costly for them to have got themselves a lamb and to have sacrificed the lamb. And then to have done this in, in, a, in a way that showed their faith, in fact showed their confidence in God to do this. And because of their confidence in him and their investment in, in trusting him through that, we know that God gave them a relief from what was a horrible thing, the death of the firstborn. And so that was enough to tip the scales and to finally let, get Pharaoh to the point where he did let God's people go. Question two. Why does God give cancer to people who don't deserve it? It's a pretty heavy question, isn't it? But it's an important one. All sickness, including cancer, comes as a direct result of the sin in the world. You know, when the first humans were given the choice to obey God, will they obey his good and loving rule or not? They chose not to. And the Bible says all of us, every one of us, would have done exactly the same thing if we were there right then. From that point in time, sin came into the world. There was this brokenness of the world. There was a brokenness in relationships with each other. There was a brokenness with the earth and a brokenness with God. And through this, we have the result that sickness affects everybody. Uh, and so none of us deserve sickness, or all of us do, depending on how you look at it. And so there will be people who are wonderful, godly Christians and followers of Jesus who will have a cancer at an early age. And then there are people who are atheistic and go through life holding their fists in God, and they will die naturally in their sleep at 105. You know, It's not like you kind of can trace the dots and say, this is why that has happened. Um, what we need to realise is that in all of this, God remains in control, though. And even behind cancer and other things, we can know that God's hand is upon his world and upon his people. There's a, a book that I've not read, but it has a catchy title. I wonder if you've got some of those on your bookshelf as well. Uh, and it's called by John Piper, Don't Waste Your Cancer. Uh, he himself uh, had cancer, and the premise of the book is that God has led him to have cancer and so he has an enormous opportunity to, to take advantage of that tragedy in his life, which he was then in God's power able to go through. But it's a reminder again that God is in everything and he works for the good of those who love him. I was at a funeral on Thursday for Steve uh, Semenchuk, the rector of DAPTO, who passed away two weeks ago. Uh, sorry, passed away on Sunday morning, actually. Two weeks prior to that was diagnosed with esophageal cancer and within two weeks he was dead. And uh, there were a thousand people there at Dapto Anglican Church. It was quite an event, really. 
Uh, what has Steve done to do? No, that's the wrong question, isn't it? God was glorified through Steve's cancer. And we know that uh, as we don't understand exactly why these things happen, we know that the Lord remains in control and he comforts us and he points us to heaven where there is no more cancer, where there is no more suffering. Question three. How can someone ask for forgiveness after they've committed suicide? I think this question has come because last week on the front of the news seat there was a discussion about suicide. And uh, it's a good question. Obviously someone can't ask God for forgiveness after they've committed suicide. Uh, but it doesn't mean that they will be unforgiven. Uh, some people think that God's grace is a little bit like a kind of a fuel tank. And uh, this is particularly something that the Roman Catholic Church teaches about grace. And that is they see grace as almost like a thing. And so when you get baptised as a baby, your tank is filled all the way up to the top. You get that sacrament and you're filled up to the top. And you go through life and you do things that will drain that tank of grace. So the reason that Catholics have to go to church to have Mass all the time is to fill up that tank through the priest to the people. And so there are lots of different sacraments. The Catholic Church has seven. We believe in only two. But these different things will fill up your tank. An important one for the Roman Catholics is the last rites, or the extreme unction. Why is it that they need to bring in a priest at the last minute? It's to try and fill up that tank so that when the person passes away, they've got as much grace in their tank so that their time in purgatory is less. Is, is less. Now, you're not going to find this in the Bible. It's something that humans have invented since, and I don't believe it's true. Part of all this is that Grace is not about having a, a list of merits, a sort of a tank of grace in that sense. Grace is all about relationships. See, when you come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I recognise that I am not in a good relationship with you. In fact, we are enemies and I'm coming to you to try and patch that relationship up. And, and God will say, because of my son Jesus Christ and by putting my anger on him, I now see you as a friend. You're forgiven. You're part of my family. And so even if a child in a family setting does something to really disappoint the parents, it's not like the parents are going to suddenly say, well, you've stopped being my child. Any more than we, if we do something wrong against God, that he'll suddenly say, you're no longer a Christian. That's not the way forgiveness works. But again, like a child, the child says, I'm really sorry that I broke curfew last night and then I smashed the car and so on. Will you forgive me? They say, well, yes, I will forgive you if you pay for it, or someone's got to pay for it anyway. We'll talk about that later. But yes, you're forgiven and you've never stopped being my child. So to go back to this question, is this person unforgiven if they commit suicide? Well, they, they are considered to be a forgiven person in Christ's sight. They're still friends with God. And so whilst suicide is a, is a horrible thing, it doesn't mean that a person will lose their salvation through suicide at all. Question four, two to come. Is it a sin to be angry at God? We can sometimes feel angry at God for different things. Maybe you've been a victim of cancer or someone close to you has had cancer or you're in a relationship with someone that's broken down and you recognise God's sovereignty in all these things and you're angry that God's made these things happen that way. Now, can I, I can understand how you might feel that way and I, I think we've all felt that at some point. But ultimately, it's not the right response for us to have towards God. God is good all the time. And we can't always see how he's going to have his hand in these things. But for us to be angry at him, to say, you are bad, you have done the wrong thing, then even if we are feeling that, it is not the right thing for us to speak to God in that way. 
because he's good, he's loving. He, he, I think of a time when someone was God with, angry with God, that was Jonah. He wasn't very happy with God sparing all the Ninevites. And uh, well, he ended up going quite a journey to the point where he repented of that anger towards God. And uh, if you're feeling angry towards God, then it's good to think about that and to, to say to God, I'm sorry that I'm feeling angry at you. I do trust you, but I want you to recognize, as you know, Heavenly Father, that I'm finding this hard. And he, in his kindness, will meet you in your grief. Finally, question five, why does God make us wait for his answer to some prayers? And how do we gain patience? Well, by waiting, I think, in a sense, isn't it? Uh, um, we, we, uh, when we ask God for prayers to be answered, uh, we, we can sometimes say, I've not seen anything, he mustn't have heard me. Or I've not seen anything, he mustn't love me. Well, those are both wrong. Uh, he may say immediately, yes, I am going to do that. You say, dear Lord, I'm having a picnic today. Please make it not rain. And it doesn't rain. You say, Lord said, yes, all right. Or maybe the, you know, the biggest storm in 50 years hits Jamboree. You say, I'll take that as a no. Okay. And, uh, or maybe it might be a wait. You might, might have a, a relative, a friend or someone who isn't yet a follower of Jesus. And it's, deep, whoops, sorry, it's deeply on your heart that you wish for them to be, a, to be uh, forgiven by God. And you're saying, Lord, why not yet? Why not yet? And the answer is, just be patient. Or it may be a no. Who knows yet? But we need in all of this to just pray for patience if we're finding it hard waiting. Yeah, they're good questions, aren't they? Uh, like I've said to you on many occasions, I, I can track quite a few of them to the teenagers who come along on Saturday nights who have heaps of questions about these sorts of things. But I think I'd be right in saying that all of us of all ages appreciate their questions because it gives us a chance just to, <laughs> to think back to those, things. yeah, that's right, that was a question I had. Or it's funny, I've got that question and I'm happy to have it answered. So we praise God for that.